Wake up, NHL fans. It is Wednesday, January 10th, and this is the Morning Cup of Hockey. I'm Johnny Lazarus, joined by my co-host, Kobe Cohen. And today, we're going streaking. Not literally, don't worry, but there are a lot of NHL winning streaks going on with the Winnipeg Jets, the Seattle Kraken, the Toronto Maple Leafs even, the Florida Panthers, Edmonton Oilers, and then there are some losing streaks going on right now in San Jose, which we'll touch on later in the show. A lot of different teams are buzzing. The vibes are very high for a majority of these organizations in the NHL right now. But before we get any further, like and subscribe to the and get involved in the chat. Uh, Kobe Cohen, what's going on with you this morning? How you doing? Your jokes are terrible. I, oh, I know you were. I hate it. I know. I know. You were probably standing in front of the mirror this morning, coming up with your one-liner to start the show, and you know anybody watching just probably shakes their head and they're like, "Oh my god, get through this part, would you?" Well, you made the old school reference too, because I got stuck in the elevator this morning and I just texted you. I got out and then we made the, uh, didn't we put you in a dumpster one time? And then now old school is just in my head. So I just thought we'd, we'd go with that. But uh, yeah, let's, let's put that behind us. Ari Gold's a great actor. And I know that's not his real name, but he'll forever be Ari Gold. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he's in. He's Ari Gold. I mean, if, if, if there's someone you want to be like that, that seems like the guy to be. Uh, I respectfully disagree, but I'm a big fan of his work. Um, you're more of a turtle guy, aren't you? Oh my God. I love turtle. Loved, loved. I always wanted to dress like him when I was in high school, like have the Jersey and like the matching shorts and shit. Like I you're kind of my turtle. I mean, if we were together, you would drive for sure. I would probably sit in the back. You literally drove me around in Boston. So, oh, <laughs> because you don't, don't have a car. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, let's not, let's not get too off topic. Uh, let's talk about some NHL teams. One team that comes to the top of my mind is the Vancouver Canucks. They just won a back-to-back against the New York Rangers and New York Islanders, and they beat the Devils earlier this weekend. Canucks, one of the best teams in the NHL, the best goal differential at plus 53, which is absolutely insane. But Colby, I think it's time that everyone respects them and, and considers them to be a legit cup contender. They haven't gotten the respect in the West that they deserve. Yeah, I'm not there yet, Johnny. I'm still I'm really not there. Not, I'm still not there. I've not been there all year. I've given them credit where credit is due, and it certainly is. Um, and I even watched a good portion of their game last night against the Islanders, who they they really had their way with for most of the night. I mean, the way that they move the puck around in the offensive zone, especially that top line, you know, their power play has been pretty lethal. Um, you know, watching Heronic just absolutely unload. Uh, bombs from the point, just picking guys off one at a time, even on his own, on his goal last night, which is the first goal for Vancouver. He, he absolutely breaks someone's ankle before he then basically gets his own rebound and scores that goal. But here's my issue, even with how well they're playing. Um, my, my biggest issue with Vancouver and why I, I don't foresee them winning the Stanley cup is because um, I just don't love them down the middle and, and I just don't love their depth at forward. Uh, when you look at their lines, um, you know, which you can find on the daily Faceoff website, these get updated quite frequently, but it, it just, it bothers me. And I look at the teams that win the Stanley cup, Johnny, and I, I think about, um, them down the middle and I just wonder, you know, how is this roster going to fare um, when when Pew Suter is your second line center? I, I like Teddy Bluger, but he, he's a bottom six player in the NHL. And, and you know, no disrespect to, to Nils Amon. You know, I, it's not a guy that I know very well. Um, I, I just see a lot of bottom six types of forwards on this roster. I know Kuzumenko has, has kind of had some struggles with Rick Tockett this year, kind of adjusting to his, his structure and his system. But, you know, I, I give them a lot of credit. They, they're playing phenomenal hockey right now. And I think Thatcher Demko is, is a huge reason why Casey DeSmith. And then obviously I haven't mentioned Quinn Hughes, but it, it just, their, their lineup kind of bothers me, Johnny. And that's why I'm not ready to say that I think that they're a true Stanley cup contender, although they've played very well um, really all season, other than maybe one or two slides. Well, I want to read a comment in the chat from our friend Dave Singer, who's uh, very known around the hockey world. He was actually honored at a Devils game recently. I believe it might have been against the Canucks, actually, for his service in the Army. But uh, Dave said, and we call him Singsy, so I'm just going to refer to him as Singsy. He said he was at the Canucks game versus the Devils on Saturday. Their cycle in the Ozone is sick. The Canucks are a problem. Great team. And Kobe, 
To your point, you talk about the depth scoring on Vancouver. You look at their third line of Dakota Joshua, Teddy Bluger, and Connor Garland. In the last 10 games, those three have been scoring. Dakota Joshua in that span has four goals, five assists. Teddy Bluger has three goals, eight assists. And Connor Garland has three goals, five assists. Connor Mm -hmm. Garland is one of the biggest pests in the NHL. He's a guy that's very annoying to play against. And he's been very successful early on in his NHL career. But Teddy Bluger is another guy that I spoke to the other day. I went uh, to the Canucks morning skate. I spoke to Bluger, Quinn Hughes, and Rick Tockett. But Bluger comes from that uh, Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup championship team last year. And he said there's a lot of similarities with the group this year. As far as leadership goes, it's by committee for the most part. He goes from playing for a captain like Mark Stone, who's a big veteran presence, to a quieter, younger guy like Quinn Hughes. But the similarities are that there are a ton of leaders within the group, not just the captain. So he said that's a similarity. And then as far as the winning on the ice goes, it creates such a tighter bond off the ice. And he feels that with this group in Vancouver as well. And with talk at the helm, talks become more of a teacher than a coach. That's what Quinn said about talk. He wants the guys to learn and he's very open to guys walking in the office, you know, talking to him personally, one-on-one. It just seems like a very cohesive unit from top to bottom in Vancouver and being at their morning skate the other day, they're laughing, they're having a good time. But then when the puck is dropped in a drill and whatnot, they're boss to the wall. Like there's no joking around like JT Miller. He was hooting and hollering the entire time at morning skate. Then he misses a backdoor pass, screams an F-bomb that echoes through all of MSG and gets on his horse and hustles back. And then he's laughing again when he gets back into the line. Like it's a good uh, vibe that they got going on there. Well, Johnny, let me just tell you something. When you're winning games in the NHL, it's incredible. In professional sports, winning is the most important thing. And, you know, people that tell you otherwise don't know what they're talking about and they've never been in an NHL locker room before or a professional locker room because it's a business and you're in the business of winning games. That's how people keep their jobs. That's how people get paid. So of course they're going to be having a good time. And, you know, look, I I know you were in their locker room and I know you witnessed these things, but well, what is Teddy Bluger going to tell you? Yeah. We've won a lot of games this year. We're in first place, but I don't think that we're a true contender. I mean, come on. Like, what else is he going to say to you? I'm sorry. I don't really buy the similarities to them in Vegas. Um, You look at the way Vegas was stacked up front and even really. um, I think he meant more so just in the room, not not really on the ice. Like okay, the, well, the but the again, guy. then then I'll challenge that as well. You, you got Mark Stone, you've got Alex Petrangelo, you've got Martinez, who's won multiple Stanley Cups. Like, again, I, I think that he's giving you a little bit of lip service with that, which is okay. Listen, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not expecting the guy to sit there and say, you know, oh, yeah, we're winning a lot of games, but we're not really there. And, you know, one thing I notice about this Vancouver team, though, that they do very well and what they have bought into is the way they back pressure, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's made and it's really brought the level up of their entire defensive core. You know, I love their first pair that has Quinn Hughes and, you know, Philip Hironik on it. But, you know, the rest of their decor, Carson Soucy and Tyler Myers are a pair. Zadorov and Yulson are the other pair. Um you know, again, n- not a ton of playoff experience in that group. Um, guys that have sort of been cast away from other teams. I know Susie had a good run in Seattle. I know Tyler Myers um, has been widely talked about over the last couple of years because I think they were trying to trade him and they couldn't. Zadorov is, is a good third pair, big bodied guy. But again, like I like this team. I think Rick Tockett should be up for coach of the year. Um, I think probably him and John Tortorella to me would be the front runners um, because I just think the expectations were low. But again, I I just don't agree or really look at them and think that this is a team, Johnny, that is going to legitimately compete for the Stanley Cup once games get tight. Once, you know, top lines start getting different matchups, start getting shut down, you start seeing the same players over and over again. Is Elias Pettersson going to play the way he's played in the playoffs? Remains to be seen. I mean, he might, but it remains to be seen. We have another great question in the chat, Colby. This is from Envitali21, and I actually think I agree with this. Are the Canucks the devils of last year just with better goaltending? Um, potentially they, they play with a ton of pace, you know, I mean, that's, they're a very, very fast team. I think they made the Islanders look slow last night. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think is a problem there for the Islanders. 
That's what people but said you, about the Devils last year, though, was their team speed up and down north. South. Right, and it got mm-hmm. and it they, they made the Rangers look slow in the first round, and then they ran into structure in the second round that they just couldn't kind of figure out with Carolina. So, you know, look, I think when you've got Thatcher Demko as your starting goaltender, um, I think anything is really possible because I think he could steal a series. Um, but you know, he's another guy not totally playoff tested. They've got the one B in Casey DeSmith. I, I always like to bring the fact that the matter up that, you know, we talk a lot about Swayman and Olmark as the best one, two in the NHL. Look, I think Demko and DeSmith definitely give that tandem in Boston a run for their money. Yeah, I completely agree. And just, you know, to pull up some, some goalie stats here, Demko right now, 28 and one on the year with a 0.916 save percentage. And a- 2.54 goals against average. Casey DeSmith, 7-3 and 2 with a 0.916 as well and a 2.53 goals against. So they literally have the 20, same exact Did you say 28 and 1? I, I that That's had Demko, to be a, 28 and 1. 20 28 and 1. And 1. Okay. I, I wanted to clarify that. It's yeah, like yeah. you said 28 and 1 and I'm like is Johnny on drugs this morning because no, I don't know. 20 hyphen eight hyphen one hyphen but okay. their numbers like save percentage and and goals against are literally identical it's they both have a 0.916 and Demko has a uh, 2.54 and Casey's business 2.53 so they're both you know 1a 1a essentially listen elite goaltending will help you win games in the NHL in the regular season um, and unless you have the structure that a team like the Vegas Golden Knights had last year I think you need rockstar goaltending to win the Stanley Cup. I don't buy this narrative that teams don't have to spend money on their goaltenders. I really don't. Yeah. You know, you you look at the Winnipeg Jets, um, mm-hmm. who who have you know arguably the best goalie in the NHL, a guy who plays more than anyone. You know, the the Winnipeg Jets, um, who are another team that has been streaking. Um, they they've got seven wins in a row. They're nine zero and one in their last ten. Um, you know, they've 30 straight games allowing three goals or less. I mean, that, that's, that just shows you what type of goaltender Connor Hellebuck is. And, you know, that's one of the only situations in the NHL, Johnny, where you're still seeing that traditional, you know, guy who plays 70% of the games, um, when healthy, there's not, it's not really that 60, 40 split we're seeing in most other places. So, um, Mm -hmm. I, I just still believe that that's what is needed. To, to win Stanley Cups for the most part, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, Connor Hellebuck just continues to shine there in Winnipeg and continues to, you know, propel Rick Bonus's team into into winning. And, you know, to me, if you, they look like a legitimate team that could win the Stanley Cup. And part of the reason that I'd say that is is because of uh, Connor Hellebuck. And it's all without Kyle Connor too, which is crazy, right? Because Kyle Connor, we, I think we talked about it yesterday on the show that he's one of the best and most underrated goal scorers in the entire NHL. Like Kyle Connor has become, you know, one of the most ridiculous players in the league. And what's super impressive about Winnipeg's run too in those last 10 games that you mentioned, 9 0 one they've only allowed 1.50 goals against per game. Their penalty kills at 83.3%. Power play only at 23.1. So it's not like they're, you know, firing on the man advantage it's I mean, only 23.1 i mean come on well, i i think now in, in today's age you got to have at least a 25 percent uh success rate on the power play to be considered a great power play i think if you're below 25 it's changed the goal scoring has gone up in the nhl and i think 25 is now that benchmark where you have a really strong power play if you're below 25 to me it's not it's not as strong as the others yeah well but look look how like they're not even the top how- 10 in that in that span to be 23.1 uh, but look how they're built down the middle. Shifley, mm-hmm. Nemestikov, Lowry, Toninato. I mean, Lowry as your third line center with Niederreiter and Mason Appleton. I mean, like to me, that that's just a much stronger group down the middle. Um, and I think that if let's say Vancouver and and you know, Winnipeg were to square off, you know, I, I give them a huge edge, you know, right down the middle. I think goaltending probably wipes each other out between Demko um, and Hellebuck. But at the end of the day, you know, that's a lot of puck possession time. That's a lot of help down low. You know, centers are uber important to defensive zone structure because these are the guys that have a lot more license to roam around the defensive zone, to have to make defensive reads, uh, to have to be more physical on the other team's top players. I've always loved Adam Lowry as a player. 
um, you know, I, I've been down between the benches calling games that that he's been a part of Winnipeg and Chicago, obviously in the same division. So I saw him quite a bit over the last couple of years. I mean, that is a that is a big man. You know, Adam Lowry is a big guy. He plays the game like he's a big guy. Um, he chips in offense. He, he's good in the faceoff dot. You know, he, he sometimes will play against the other team's best players. He, he does a he does a really nice job of continuously, you know, being on the right side of the puck and getting above whoever the other team's center is. Really, kind of not giving him the opportunity to get going um, in the offensive zone and really in the neutral zone to to create all that speed to play offense. So. Uh, Winnipeg's a tough team, Johnny. I mean, this is a group that um, has kind of surprised people. They were out without Rick Bonus for a while. They got rid of uh, Dubois. They got rid of Blake Wheeler. A lot of people are potentially saying those guys were were problems in the locker room. We saw Wheeler lose the captaincy a few years ago. So uh, the Winnipeg Jets, to me, they, they seem like the real deal. They seem like a team that's got the right mix up front. They've got the goaltending. You know, Morrissey is an underrated defenseman. I like that second pair with Dylan and Pionk. Um, I know Pionk was a Ranger. Uh, he was over a part of that Truba trade a while ago. And then, you know, you got reliable Nate Schmidt and and the, a big fella in Dylan Sandberg on the back end. Like, to me, that that's a mix. That That is a mix of, of physicality, uh, puck moving, power play, penalty kill. Uh, you give got to give Winnipeg credit for the way they've built their roster. And did you think we'd be saying that at this point of the year with the summer that they had? I mean, there was rumors of Shifley not resigning, Hellebuck not resigning. Like you mentioned, they buy out Blake Wheeler. I mean, this team was in total chaos mode this summer, and now they're thriving. So um, I think definitely, if not the Canucks, I'd say the Jets are the biggest surprise this year in the NHL. Yeah. Who, who do you think is a, is a more big surprise between those two teams? Probably the Canuck. Just they've just been so bad. Um, mm. You know, they really have. I, I had a lot of faith in Rick Tockett's ability to go there and galvanize them. But you know, with Winnipeg, I, I will say this: um, I've seen Winnipeg more than I've seen Vancouver. And the one thing I will say is. I've seen this out of Winnipeg before, though, where they have stretches where they look like the best team in the NHL. You know, early in the year last year, they looked like one of the best teams in the NHL. And then they went on a couple of terrible skids. And then we, you know, the Blackhawks saw them later in the year. And I, I'm sitting between the benches like, I can't believe this is the same team. So mm -hmm. Winnipeg has, has kind of done this to me before where I'm ready to say that they're a contender because they've played really good hockey for big stretches. But then they've also had really big fall offs um, and they've looked like a different team sort of later in the season trending into the playoffs. So for them, it's going to be about making sure that they can really continue this elite level that they've been playing at. And speaking of teams playing on an elite level as of late, let's go into the Florida Panthers because they've been, again, a team that a lot of people, including myself, thought would be Me too, too beat up from last year. Yeah, like I think most people picked Florida had to have a drop-off year. Um, after being beat up in last year's Stanley Cup final, they had so many injuries. You know, right now, they're buzzing on an eight-game win streak and they're scoring goals 4.50 per game in that stretch, only allowing 1.88 against. And here's where... The difference is being made, though. Their special teams is on fire. Power play is clicking at 32.4%, and the PK is at 92%. Everything is just going correct right now for the Florida Panthers. Sam Reinhart scoring goals. Matthew Kachuk is now finding the score sheet again. Carter Verhage. I mean, this team is built so well top to bottom, and they've you know overcome a ton of adversity to start the year. What do you, what do you, what do you make of the Florida Panthers, Colby? Well, also, I think you got to you got to give credit to Paul Maurice, who, who you know, is in his second year with this group. Um, I think he knows more what he has. I, I said on the Daily Faceoff live um, show early in the year that I, I felt like they were in big trouble because they did not start the year with Ekblad and Montour. And, and to me, those are their best two defensemen. And. I thought that, you know, by American Thanksgiving, they'd be so far out of it that it would be too difficult for them to come back. Um, they had a long season last year. Kachuk was injured in the playoffs. We all know that. Um, that's a heart and soul type of player. But, you know, what I didn't factor for was the fact that Oliver ekman Larson was going to look like Oliver ekman Larson from years ago. Um, I was just thinking the same thing. 
Yeah. I mean, he, he has, I mean, he, he, he stepped up in a big way. I think we're seeing some of the best hockey out of Nico Mikola, who seems to have really finally fit in somewhere, big defenseman, um, really kind of a more defensive minded guy. They've got good, good play out of Kulikov on that third pairing. But, you know, now that you've got Montour and Ekblad back on your top four, I mean, this, this is a team that is also built really well. Barkov, Bennett, Lundell, Stenland down the middle. Um, you know, Stenland's a fourth liner who's got eight or nine goals already this season. And uh, you know Kachuk is going to start scoring. He gets three last night. Um, you know his goal production has been down this past season. But look, they play fast, Johnny. And um, they are another team that back pressures really well. So their defense are able to kind of shut things down early. Um, Bob Roski's played well. Uh, when he's been needed in net. So, I mean, Florida's look to me like, you know, they, they, they probably are the best team in the East right now, right now. Um, I, I think that they, they deserve to be called that at this point. And, you know, we've been talking about the Florida Panthers for a couple of minutes and we haven't even mentioned Sam Reinhardt's name. Mm-hmm. I, I said it right off the bat. Yeah, but we haven't really talked about him. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I thought I did, but maybe you tuned me out like I tuned you out last week. Um, but the Panthers, to your point, too, they play fast, but they also play fucking heavy, right? Like they play that physical style that that adjusts so well in the playoffs and they do it in the regular season. So they're not one of those teams that has to flip that switch come playoff time, right? Like you see a lot of teams not coast through the regular season, but they, you know, play a little bit more of a skilled, pretty game throughout the regular season. And once the playoffs come, they turn it on. But this Florida team, they battle. And, and they are not fun to play against. They're not easy to play against. And hockey in Florida has become pretty legit, right? Because the Tampa Bay Lightning in the past couple of years had won Stanley Cubs, got to the Eastern Conference Final. And then you look at the Panthers last year, their run. Hockey in Florida, it's time to be taken seriously there. Um, I've been to a game at the Panthers Arena. I'm, I'm blanking on what it's called because I believe they changed the name uh, this summer. But, um, you know, that crowd is electric. They, they love their Panthers down there. And It's not. Well, come on. In the playoffs, you're, you're not going to play off it. You're not going to sit here and say the crowd is electric for in the, the playoffs. Panthers. Don't be full of shit. Would you in the playoffs? Please? It was awesome. It was awesome. Most, night, most nights that building is filled with the other team's fans when they're playing the Bruins, the, the Leafs, the Canadians. I mean, there's a lot of snowbirds in Florida wearing the other team's yeah. Jersey when they get there. Okay, sure. I'll give you playoffs, but I mean, come on. There are electric atmospheres in the NHL. Tampa Bay is an electric the atmosphere. Best. You called it electric. It's not electric. I'm just going to call bullshit on that right now. Okay. The, the team is uh, the team is great. Call the team electric. Do not call the atmosphere in their building electric, please. I, I take serious problem with that. Well, the games that I was at, it was fucking awesome. So I can only speak to my experience. Have you been to a Panthers game recently? Uh, when is the last time I went to a Panthers game? No, I have not been to a Panthers game, but I have eyes. I watch on TV (laughs) and I see what the stands look like on dress, like a seat night, which is part of their regular season, uh, you know, program. Well, I say it's been better over the last two years for sure. It has the attendance issues have not Dude, Winnipeg was having attendance issues earlier this year. They had like 11,000 people at their game, you know, the first five or 10 games of the season. Yeah, but they only see what 14. It's a small building. Yeah, they're, they're it's, it's, a lot, it, it's a lot different in Winnipeg to only have 11,000 in Florida. You get 11,000. The building looks completely empty. It's a little different in the smaller buildings. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about another building, formerly the Staples Center. Now, crypto. Well, hold on a second. Hold, hold on a second. We, okay. we, we, we didn't talk about Sam Reinhardt enough. I, I think that uh, this is a guy that deserves a, a lot of credit this season. I mean, he's got. 29 goals right now. Um, Eight of his last nine seasons, he scored at least 20 goals. So he's been in the NHL nine full seasons. He had like a nine game stint early on. So I'm not counting that. So eight of his nine years, 20 plus goals, 30 plus goals. His last three seasons. If you count the fact that this year he's going to eclipse 30, he's at Mm -hmm. 29 right now. So you've got a guy who's a guaranteed 20 goal scorer who's most likely a 30 plus goal scorer because he's now done it three years in a row. He makes six and a half million dollars for the last three years. He is going to be a UFA. Okay. William Nylander just signed a a, a big, big, big contract. Okay. 
I want to know what Sam Reinhart is going to get with his consistent goal scoring production over the last couple of years. Now, Frank Suravali uh, just sat down with Sam Reinhart for his podcast, frankly speaking. And this was one of the questions that he asked Sam Reinhart. And I know we have a clip of this to play for you. Um, but this was a really, really interesting interview that Frank did with Sam Reinhart. It's going to be out a little bit later today. So make sure you go to the DFO YouTube page. You check this out, download it wherever you uh, get your podcast. But this is on the show, frankly speaking. Let's hear what Frank and Sam Reinhart talked about in their interview. Everyone wants to know what happens next. Your team is in a great spot. Clearly, you're a fit with Sasha Barkov, among other players on your team, and you need a new contract. William Nylander signs a massive deal today. Uh, I figured at some point, somewhere, uh, someone like you might be smiling. Would you pay attention to that stuff? Do you keep track of what happens around the league? I mean, it's, I'm a fan of the game. It's it's, it's tough not to keep track of it. Um, it. It's something that I've said before the year. It's it it, it hasn't really changed. I've I've, I've got no problem. But it's it's you know, short-term deals or something that, uh, um, you know, I've, 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 you know, kind of been on my whole year. So, so being in a contract year, is not something new to me? I got no problem with negotiations being ongoing. It's, it's, it's not taken away from, from my preparation or, or, or how I handle day to day. And, and, and that's kind of where I stay in my head. And, and, and that's kind of my focus, you know, the, the, the interest is, 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 is definitely mutual and it's definitely positive and on, on both sides. And, you know, I love it in Florida and, and, you know, I, 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 you know, I know they're happy to have me. So I've got no problem with it being ongoing. I'm, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy with where we're at as a team right now. So the goal is to stay in Florida if you can. Absolutely. I mean, that means the team's in, in a great spot. It, it means, um, you know, we're, 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 we're in agreements of, of, of how I fit. So, um, that's obviously the, the goal. So we'll hear more of that conversation with Frank Saravalli and Samson Reinhardt uh, later today. Samson was his name in the video that we were lucky enough to see, but I don't know if people know that's his real name. Um, but that's a really interesting conversation. I don't really hear from, or I guess most people probably don't hear from Sam Reinhardt a lot, right? I haven't really heard many interviews uh, involving Sam Reinhardt, so I'm definitely curious to listen to that one and tune in and hear what he has to say. Um, Colby, anything else you want to talk about with Sam Reinhardt? This guy's going to get paid. Okay. He, he, he is certainly going to um, deserve the money coming his way. I, I got to think this is, you know, going to be a, a $9 million player at least. And, and it, to me, you're not buying at the top of the market for him. You're buying constant production. And if you're Bill Zito, you know, this guy's production, and I know I read it all off. I mean, you you have a guaranteed 20 goals with this player and most likely 30. So pay this man, give him $9 million, lock him up, um, you know, give him what he's looking for. Maybe he takes a, a little bit of a discount because there's no state tax in Florida, um, but this guy deserves his money. So uh, we'll be interested to see uh, how that spins out and and what he ends up getting. What number are you giving him right now if you're an NHL GM? You know, I, I got to think he he's a nine and a half million dollar player, at least. I was actually going to say is nine a stretch. Like I was thinking nine, but I don't know. Like, I didn't know if that would be too, 30 too goal, 30 goals a year. I mean, mm. it, if Nylander is worth 11 and a half, how, how's Reinhardt not worth nine and a half? Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree. Um, and that market, especially, right? Like I, I forgot who was talking about it, but he'll end up making more money than Nylander with the uh, tax purposes and whatnot. I forgot where I heard that. Um, I've saw, uh, yeah. I saw that on Twitter too. Look, I, yeah. I think we all know how that works with, with the, with the state tax game. I think that's why a lot of players like to go play in Florida or Vegas or Arizona, even these, these places where there's no state tax. It's why, um, it's why, Who's the baseball player that just signed the absurd contract and deferred, you know, 68 million Ohtani, of his yeah. Otani's he's, he deferred 68 million of his 70 million a year because he's not going to live in California when he collects the other 300 million of his contract. He's probably going to go live somewhere where there's no state tax. It's going to save him a hundred million dollars or something. You know, I know I'm exaggerating, but yeah. something ridiculous. 
Kobe, I want to talk about, I want I just want to transition over to the San Jose Sharks. We talked about a lot of teams that are winning right now, but I don't know if you know, I know personally how much it sucks to lose. I've been on a lot of losing teams throughout my life, but there was a very down to earth and, and maybe not down to earth, but a very genuine quote last night or a couple of quotes out of San Jose sharks have lost 12 games in a row. And I wanted to read this quote out loud from David Quinn, because I'm sure, you know, Quinny uh, from your time at BU and whatnot, but David Quinn said, boy is losing fucking hard. It wears on you unless you're going through it. It's really difficult to explain to anybody when you fucking lose. It's hard. It wears on you day and night, 24 seven. And then a good friend of mine, Mario Ferraro, who I play with at UMass, he said after the game, maybe we got to figure something out away from the rink and stay positive and do it for our mental health. Not easy going through this. Starts off the ice with our mentality, feeling good. We got to figure out a way to do that for each other. And I just feel bad for these guys at this point, right? Like you show up to the rink every day. You're trying to do a job. You're trying to win hockey games. And when it's not going right, like it wears on you away from the rink. It wears on your personal life. It wears on how you treat your family. Like losing sucks. And I don't care the people that say, oh, they play in the NHL. They make millions of dollars. Like who cares? They, they just have to go out there and play two and a half hours a night. And that's it. Like there's a lot more to being an NHL player that you can probably speak on more than I can. But I feel I'm starting to feel really bad for the Sharks team because, you know, I, I've gotten to know a couple of those guys. Like they, when they were in New York, I got to hang out with a couple of them. And they're good guys. Like they care. They want to win. And shit's just not going right. And when you see quotes like that about, you know, mental health and, and trying to figure it out and hating going to the rink every day and just kind of beating themselves up, it's, it's tough to see. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on the San Jose Sharks. Well, I know David Quinn really well. I played for him in college for him, you know, with the abs. Um, I've known Quinny since I'm 15 years old. So, you know, coming up on, on 20 years of, of knowing him and he's always been, you know, a huge influence in my life and, and somebody that I talk to quite frequently. So, you know, I, I do know that uh, David Quinn hates to lose more than he likes to win. Um, you know, and, and some coaches are wired that way. Some coaches are wired uh, that they just, they, they, they struggle with this type of thing. So I, I know he's going through it right now in San Jose. Um, but Hey, listen, man, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I feel bad for them. This is professional sports. Uh, the San Jose sharks are going through a rebuild. Um, they put a certain roster together, you know, thinking about the future, thinking about draft assets, thinking about trading players away, you know, loading up their assets for a later date. So, you know, I, I don't have that uh, puppy dog. I feel bad for you that you probably have. Um, it just doesn't really, it's not, it's not the gene that I have in me, Johnny, but you know, you, you don't like seeing people that you care about struggle when you know it is a struggle. And I said this in the early parts of the show, it's all about winning in the NHL. It, mm. it is all about winning. And people who tell you otherwise, they don't know. They're just wrong. When you're winning, everything's great. When you're losing, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. Whether you're a college team, a junior team, um, whether you are professional NHL, AHL, it does not matter. When hockey is what you do seven days a week or six of the seven days a week, it's all about winning. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I work with uh, a junior team, you know, in our area, the New Jersey Titans. And, you know, they've gone through a couple of rough stretches this year. And look, it's no different. Those guys feel it. I, I know their coaches really, really well. You and I both know the head coach of that junior team, Craig Doremus. I mean, he hates to lose his whole staff. You know, these guys, it burns within these coaches um, that they hate to lose probably more than they all like to win. They take it home with them. They wear it on their sleeves because they're so passionate about what they do. So this is really uh, from junior hockey on up. Um, so it certainly sucks to go through. But at the end of the day, Johnny, it, it, this is the NHL we're talking about. They're going to need to find a way uh, to string a game, to string a win together, worry mm -hmm. about 20 minutes, you know, worry about effort, because you can control effort. You can't always control outcome when you have a roster that is built like San Jose. And really that's all that they need to focus on and, and just try to win a period right now. Try to win a couple of shifts, break it into five minute segments in a game and, and look for it that way. I do love those quotes though. And I'm sure you agree with that because how often do you hear coaches and players say, we just got to stick to our process. Like, you know, th that's a big word process, find our standards, stick to our process. That's as cliche as those sayings get. But when you hear a player and coach come out and talk about that, just talk about the human nature of, you know, basically if you're comparing it, which I hate, I hate the comparison of comparing 
playing professional hockey to a nine to five job. But if you imagine going into your office every day and just sucking at what you do every day, like <laughs> that's a shitty feeling. So um, for the, the process players, is important, John. I yeah, mean, no, I like, agree. It's, it's, I agree. I know, I know that people might think that that's cliche, but it's a cliche you know, the, answer the, when you lose 12 games the, in a row. Yeah. I mean, the way, the way that you show up every day and you practice, you know, you have a bad week of practice you're probably not going to play well on the weekend or you have three bad practices in a row. You're probably not going to play well on the weekend. It's why those days where you think that maybe it doesn't really matter and you can mail it in a little bit, you can't. And that's what separates elite level teams from average or, or below average level teams at, at high level sport. Yeah. Uh and with that, we're going to take a little break, but there's more comments, not only from the San Jose Sharks. Connor McDavid came out last night after their game against the Blackhawks and had a very intuitive thought about the offsides review. So we're going to hear from Connor McDavid right after the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Morning Cup of Hockey. We got a lot more left on today's show. First things first, let's talk about Connor McDavid, the NHL's number one star, who's been very outspoken this season. It looks like he's given a lot of in-depth answers to the media this year as opposed to other years, probably because they're winning games now. But last night he touched on my least favorite thing in the NHL, which is the offside review. There was a very lengthy one between the Oilers and the Blackhawks where Dreisaitl appeared to be onside, didn't have full possession of the puck. And, uh, you know, the, the refs in Toronto zoomed in on this play a million times trying to figure out whether it was onside, offside. But I shouldn't explain it. Let's hear from Connor McDavid himself. That, that you guys had that Makar goal go against you a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Do you have an opinion on the dry side one that is all similar? What did you think of that? I, I do. I mean, obviously, if it takes you 15 minutes to, to determine if it's offside or not, um, it probably doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I talked to the linesman after. Ultimately, it's not, a, not their call, I guess. You know, obviously, they said it came down from the league, but, you know, you zoom in, you zoom in, you keep zooming in until you can't zoom in anymore, and I guess it's offside. So, um, you know what, um, a, these, these are calls that, uh, you know, change games, and ultimately it didn't go our way. You know, that was a big call. Um, it would have really, really hurt them, and um, I thought it should have been onside. I mean, it's kind of possession too, right? Like the argument of possession, um, that whole debate can start again. Um, you know, it was such a close one. You'd like to see it. You know, I, I think the NHL uses the analogy dead wrong, right? They, you know, if it's if it's dead wrong or something like that, I don't know what they say. Like, they want it to be clear and obvious, right? Um, that one's certainly not clear and obvious. Fair. Hope you have any thoughts on McDavid's words? I like it. I like that he has an opinion. I, I'd like to see more of that, Johnny. I, I think that the stars of the NHL um, need to take some of the power back. They really do. I feel like... Uh, the last couple CBA negotiations it, in, and it just seems like a lot of the the power and revenue has been going back towards the owner's way. They've got all these new expansion fees that the players don't get a part of. So, you know, let, let's see guys speak out, you know, and, and let's see players exercise leverage that they have exercise star power that they have. If, if McDavid's looking for, for more clarity or more calls. Well, listen, he's the guy who, who should be asking for it because they're going to listen to him. He's the biggest star in the NHL. Um, He's potentially the most, you know, the the greatest we've ever seen play. You know, we can make the argument and the debate about the goat and Gretzky and statistics, but as far as what this guy does in the modern day NHL, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to deny. So, I liked it. I think a 15 minute review is ridiculous. Insane. Insane. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And it just, I don't understand how in tennis we're at a point where they basically don't even need lines. People not basically they they've gotten rid of the lines people at major tournaments now because of shot spot technology. And and the reality is, is why is there not something in the puck and maybe even something in the player's skates? I, I, I don't know. Like, because we have too many controversies. Did it cross the goal line? Is it offsides? How have we not come up with technology to eradicate these types of issues? I, I don't understand that. Um, obviously, I'm not an engineer. I'm, I'm not yeah. a scientist. So I, I'm not the one to solve that problem. But I got to think and I got to hope that the NHL is working on fixing that because it's 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 old, man. I mean, we're closer to flying cars right now 
than we are to freaking self-driving Ubers. If we are, if we're able to figure out if a fucking puck crossed the goal line, like it's annoying at this point. I will say though, if they did get it right every time, it would kind of suck. Like there has to be a little bit of controversy in there, right? Like I love when the officials, you know, have a call that maybe no is worry. A good goalie goal. goalie interference will always provide controversy. Okay. Well, I think when it comes to offside or if the puck crossed the line, let's get that right. Let, let's well, I hate, leave. I hate when there's a goal like 45 seconds after what could have been offsides is the, is getting reviewed. Like it has nothing to do with it at that point, right? Like if you're defending in your own zone. Yeah. But the minute, seconds. no, you're yeah. But you're wrong. The minute the puck goes out of the offensive zone, it's negated. So if it, no, I'm saying, in, yeah, I'm saying if they went in for 45 offside, seconds after, it doesn't matter though. If they're in the offensive zone and they went, it's offside. What do you mean? It has nothing to do with it. It certainly has something to do with it. What's wrong with you? All right. Well, we actually have to that point. We have a good question in the chat from hockey collective. Which review slash rule would you rather get changed? Offside or goaltender interference? Both are nightmares right now. LOL. I mean, look, I think goalie interference is, is it's hard to change that rule because I think if we were to go back to the, oh, you can't be in the crease like it used to be. If you had a foot in the crease, forget it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no goal. And, and that's, that's wasn't a good rule. It didn't work. Yeah. It's a little more cut and dry, um, but it, it did not work. So I, I think they need to figure out a way to clean up these offsides first, because I do, while I know everybody scratches their head and everybody complains about goalie interference and, and even goaltenders are like, we don't know what goaltender interference is GMs. We don't know what goaltender interference is, but I, how you fix goaltender interference. So I guess what I would say, um, I know that's a long answer, but I'd wave the white flag at goalie interference and just say, look, I, I don't know how to fix that. I don't have a recommendation for that. But for mm-hmm. offsides, there has to be something in the puck. We've got this player tracking ability now where we can track these players all over the ice, everything they're doing. Well, why can't the player tracking be married to something with the puck and have that working together so we don't have these offside issues um, or we don't have these issues where we can't tell if the puck crossed the goal line? So. Um, that, that would be how I would address those things. Goaltender interference pisses me off more than the offside review, because I think for me, what's the point of the crease? Okay. I get it. It pisses you off, but how are you fixing it? I I think you have to use the crease more in in the rule book. If a goalie is outside of his crease, he should be allowed to be touched. I don't care what that I agree with that. I totally agree with the goalie is not in the crease. I think a player should be able not to obviously like hit the goalie, but to stand in front of him, touch him, whatever you want to do. The crease is the goalie's safe space. If yeah, a player then, is in the then, crease and touch the goalie, then, then I think goalie interference. But then the debate mean. is what's a hit, what's touching him. You're, you're still no, talking but, but about goalie in the crease, player in the crease, goalie interference all day, goalie out of the crease player on top of the crease while the goalie's out of the crease. I think it should be fine. Fair game. So you want to make it like lacrosse where you can't step in the crease is what you're saying. I mean, you can be in the crease and score a goal, but if you're touching the goalie in a way where he can't, make a save, then it's an automatic goalie interference. But that's the rule right now. That's exactly what but, the rule but there's is. There's times the when the goalie is outside the not crease. allowing him to play his position. That's what you, you just, you just said. That's, that's the rule. Yeah. I'm saying in the crease, that's totally fine. That should be the rule. When the goalie is out of the crease and you're not allowing, not allowing him to play the position, he doesn't have to be outside the crease. All right. But you started this argument by saying, you got to use the crease more. And now you're as telling the rule, me as the, rule. the only thing you're talking about is when the goalie's outside of the crease. I'm saying to, yes, use the crease more for the rule. If the player is in the crease, the rule should be, what's the word I'm looking for? If the player is in the crease touching the goalie, it should be basically automatic goalie interference. If the player is out of the crease and the goalie is also out of the crease, that advantage should go to the player because the goalie has stepped out of his safe space. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. I hate when there's goalie interference when the goalie is so blatantly not in the crease. Okay. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I don't, do you, you know, get what I'm saying? I, like, do you get what I'm saying? I think goaltenders should be fair play outside the crease. I, I, I yeah. agree with you on that. Okay. Okay. We well, can, we guess. can agree to disagree. Okay. How about that? Yeah, I guess we agree. Also this one, this is a, just a funny comment from uh, Jeremiah Maxwell from a fan perspective. You can't celebrate a goal anymore because it might be a micrometer offside to me. If it's two feet offside. Okay. But an inch, nah, sorry. <laughs> I get it. I get yeah. it, Jeremiah. I do, yeah. but you can't, you can't operate like that. You you just can't. Yeah. While, while I don't disagree with you, it, it, it's, it's gotta be a one size fits all approach because then the debate becomes 
how do we know what, what like what is the boundary uh like what is the the grace i mean and i don't think people would be okay with that yeah and then hockey collective said sorry for starting an argument fellas that's what we do that's on okay here. that's what we do that's okay that's uh right. we also got a, a a agreement with me lewis caniglia said agree with johnny on this goalies think they own the whole goddamn ice <laughs> it's true they do um, you can't touch them you should be able to run them if they're out of the crease that we agree on yeah, no, I fully agree. Why, why are they any? Why are they any different? They're wearing equipment. I, like they have more equipment on than players, mm-hmm. I, and and they always go down harder too. So, I, look, we could spend an hour talking about my dislike for goaltenders. Yeah, well, let's talk about another goaltender. Linus Olmark got injured last night in overtime of the Boston Bruins game against the Arizona Coyotes. What does this mean for Boston? Is this finally the time where Jeremy Swayman? can overtake the net and be the number one goalie. Cause I think there's been trade rumors about Linus Olmark for, you know, a little bit over a year now for Swayman to finally, you know, have his chance to, to get a good stretch here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how valid those trade rumors have been there. Yeah. They've been, I think fan creation. Um, I've created I a couple. <laughs> I, I don't think that the Bruins are looking to, to mess with potentially the best tandem in the NHL mm-hmm. um, for a couple. Also of no years. clarification on the injury, by the way, that nothing's come out yet about, about all Mark. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was weird. It was in overtime. It was on a shot. He kind of went down funny and he had to be helped off the ice, which, which looked was bad. interesting. Um, yeah the trainer and and one of the defensemen, I think it was Shattenkirk actually helped him off the ice. So this will be an opportunity for Swayman to play a stretch of games. And this isn't something that he's really done in the NHL at any point in his career. Um, last year during the playoffs, we saw Jim Montgomery panic a little bit and and try to pull something like that off with Allmark. Um, and then it was like a little too late to go back to Swayman. So um, I think this is a this is a good opportunity to see if, if Jeremy Swayman can do that uh, for the first time in his career. You know, mentally, physically, um, you know, will he be able to string a stretch of games together? I would say I think he will be able to. Um, you got to remember, this is a guy who came from college hockey where he played games on the weekends. Uh, he did, you know, spend some time in the American League, but not a ton of time. Um, so we will, you know, keep an eye on that situation, but I do think it's a great opportunity for him to cement himself as an elite goaltender in the NHL and not part of an elite tandem. Yeah. And I do feel for Linus Omar. I mean, he's been, you know, such a big piece for that Boston Bruins team sucks to see him go down that way. But another name too, to throw out there, Brennan Bussey has been, uh, you know, a name that Boston Bruins fans have been excited about. He had a strong preseason this year. He's done well in the HL in Providence. He'll probably get called up now with uh, Omar's injury, um, and he'll have a chance to show that he's capable to be an NHL backup too. Like that's an opportunity for an AHL goaltender now come up and show what they can do. We see it happen all the time when goalies go down. A lot of these, I don't want to say Bussy's a no name, but a lot of these names that aren't really common come up and show what mm-hmm. they can do and and make a name for themselves. You know, like we're seeing Martin Jones do it. Not that Martin Jones is a no name. He's been in the NHL for a long time, but you know, he's taken his opportunity with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so now this could be a chance for Bussy, but just to Swayman's numbers as well. They both played 21 games this year. Swayman's 11, three and six with a 0.920 save percentage and a 2.50 goals against. Swayman has been phenomenal this season. He has the personality, the charisma to be a number one guy. And I do think the Boston Bruins fans are in love with that guy. I mean, he's incredible with the media, incredible with the fans, does a lot in the community. Um, so we'll see what Jeremy Swayman does with this opportunity. But any more comments on the Bruins before we go into some more injuries and stuff? Well, Matthew Potra got hurt last night as well. Um, you know, I don't think that's a, as big a deal in my opinion, because I think Patra right now is, is sort of replaceable within their lineup as we saw when he went to the world juniors. Um, I think he's still kind of, you know, finding his way in the NHL and, and battling consistency things. So a tough loss for the Bruins in overtime last night out in Arizona, the, uh, the desert dogs continue to, you know, not allow teams to take them lightly and, and hang around in, in that wild card conversation, making, you know, mullet arena, a, a fun place to be, albeit, you know, a lot of times I think last night, um, Jordan Smaltz said on Twitter, 70% of the people in the building were wearing the Bruins colors. So, mm-hmm. uh, we will keep you updated on that goaltending situation as it starts to play out. I think Bussy will get a start at some point. Um, you know, the Bruins pulled him out of Western Michigan quickly. I think he only played one or two years there. Um, I actually happened to call his last ever college game. I wasn't sure when I saw him sign in the NHL, if he was a legit pro prospect, 
he has proved me wrong, um, which I am happy about for him. I'm not going to pretend like I can evaluate goaltenders. That <laughs> position is super foreign to me. So uh, not a big slate tonight, Johnny. Three games in the NHL. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, Colby. Trevor Zegers goes down last night. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. All I the guess trade, trade rumors going on yesterday. Off. Yeah. All the trade rumors going on yesterday for Trevor Zegers. I had Ranger fans tweeting at me. Zegers for Kako. What a deal for both teams. Oh, my God. Yeah. So stupid. Yeah. First so, of all, first of all, Anaheim would never, ever trade those two players one for one. I mean, yeah. let's 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 not uh, fool ourselves. That that that's a that's a pipe dream for a Rangers fan. Yeah. I, I mean, did you, I didn't agree with it. I said never in a million years would that happen. Also money wise, there's, there's so much that goes into that, but you know, Zegers is a guy who was talked about all day yesterday, as far as trade rumors go. And you hate to see him get injured. Uh, he's dealt with some injuries already this season. He's only played 20 games this year. So a uh, tough season right now for Trevor Zegers, four goals, three assists, seven points in 20 games. So uh, you got to feel for the kid. One of the NHL's brightest stars, you know, obviously he's a guy that you'd love to see in the skills competition, the all-star game, all-star weekend. That's where he thrives. Uh, that won't be happening, but um, yeah, it's just sucks to see Trevor's Eagles go down again this year. Make sure you check out Frank Saravalli's trade targets on the DFO website or on Frank's Twitter. That's something that he will obviously be keeping an eye on as we start pushing towards the trade deadline. He had Zegers you know, in a, in a decently high spot on that trade targets board. And honestly, I don't think he figures into Patrick, you know, Pat Verbeek's uh, future plans. And I said this, I don't know if I said this on our show yesterday or was the day before, but the only way Zegers stays a duck long-term as if ownership says, this guy sells tickets, this guy, you know, puts eyeballs on us. We're keeping him for those reasons. But I, I just do not see him fitting in, in the way Pat Verbeek wants to mold that team. You know, you look at the size and the speed and the prospect pool that he's building. I, I don't know. Um, I don't see it. And they did say last night that he would be out a while. Um, yeah. You know, they did. This didn't sound like it was day to day. This is probably closer to, you know, week to week or month to month, you know, and we're just speculating based on comments last night, but um, you know, a loss for the ducks who, who can't really afford to, to, to lose many players because, you know, they're already a, a bad team. And what do you make of Trevor Zegers? Would you, is he a guy you'd want to add if you're going on a playoff run right now? Is is he someone you think that can get a team over the hump in the playoffs, or is he just all flash, all flare? I don't think he's all flash, all flare. Um, but I don't necessarily think that you know he's as good as his star is, is bright. Um, you know, I, I think that he does a lot of great things for the league, but you know, he just hasn't proven to me that he is the guy you're talking about. That he's going to put a team over the edge. Doesn't mean he can't. Doesn't mean he won't. Um, you know, but again, he also plays in Anaheim. You know, I, I don't think anybody watches Anaheim a ton, not a lot of national TV dates. Um, so, you know, I, I think it remains to be seen. And, and as I say that I'm, I'm wearing my Boston university hockey hat today. Um, he is a BU guy. I generally look after my BU guys, but I, I call it like I see it here, Johnny. I, I think that, um, you know, Zegers is a guy that, that needs to round out his game, um, to be effective that time of year. But also, we, we haven't seen him in the playoffs, so, so we don't truly know. Um, will he be able to kind of, you know, kick that pace up and, and, and get a team into that situation? But the Rangers would be the last team I think he would fit on. And furthermore, the Flyers, which people were talking about, oh, they're going to trade for him, bring him to play with Drysdale because they like to do everything together. It, not a fit. Not even close to yeah. a fit. Oh, my God. But how great of TV would that make? Trevor Zegers playing for John Tortorella. I mean, come on. Uh, Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? You'd need, you'd need a reality TV camera set in there. That's for sure. That'd be too good. And maybe I don't, I don't want to say we're being too harsh on Zegers. I mean, he's only 22 years old. He's coming off back to back 60 plus point seasons, 23 goals in each of those years. He's not, you know, he's not nothing. He's not just, Oh, uh, listen, he's, he's a, he, he's a, he's a good NHL player. Offensively, he's a very good NHL player. Um, so he's only 22. Really? I thought he was older. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. So look, guys take time. I mean, you know, like let's see where he's at when he's 25, maybe in a couple of years, he's ready to, to, to go on a playoff run. But again, we, we just, we haven't seen it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to project when, when we, we have a sample size, the sample size tells us one thing. So let's believe what he's told us. Yeah. 
And Kobe, before we get into those three games tonight that you briefly mentioned, let's just talk about John Cooper, 500 wins with the Tampa Bay Lightning, one of the best coaches in the NHL, longest tenured coach in the NHL as of right now. I don't know John Cooper personally. I, I believe you do, right? I've met him a couple of times. I, I don't know him super, super well, but I have met him. Um, he's an awesome guy. I, I know a lot of guys who have played for him. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of mutual friends who, who like to play golf with them in the summer. Um, I, I think the thing that makes John Cooper special is he's kind of like a CEO. Um, he, he, he's a really innovative thinker. He, he knows how to zoom out. Um, he knows how to put trust in his staff to let them sometimes zoom in and handle the details. And, and so I think one thing that's, that's really made him successful is just the belief and the, and the buy-in that he gets from, from the rest of his staff and his players. And, um, I, I watch him during a game when I'm between the benches and he's so calm and he's not a panicker. He really is. And he's not a yeller. He's not a screamer. Um, he's not a micromanager. And so I think for him, it's about putting people in the right situations and then really letting them spread their wings. And I've seen that with his assistant coach, Jeff Halpern, over the years and the responsibilities that he's given him and the way that that's grown. You see how his you know, former assistant coach, Derek Lalone, is doing um, in, in Detroit, um, using a lot of the same things. So, uh, congrats to Coop, uh, well-deserved, well-loved, um, well-respected in the NHL. You won't find a guy more respected than him. And I don't think it's the last that we've seen him, uh, winning big games and, and hoisting big trophies. 100%. He's been one of the most, uh, enjoyable coaches I'd say in the NHL to watch as far as interviews go, press conferences and all that stuff as well. Uh, the guy certainly also knows how to celebrate a Stanley cup. I love those little NHL videos that they have him sit, uh, sitting outside by the pool, smoking a cigar, talking about winning and everything. Um, so great for John Cooper. And let's go into those three games tonight. The Philadelphia Flyers, who we mentioned before are in action. They're hosting the Montreal Canadians, the Dallas stars and Minnesota wild will face off again on NHL on TNT for the first half of that double header. And then the 10 o'clock game tonight, the game that I will certainly be locked in on is the Vegas golden Knights and the Colorado avalanche. That's going to be an incredible game. A lot of stars, in that one. So Colby, which one are you looking forward to most? I imagine it's that late game, even though you won't be up, they'll be tucked in. Yeah. The late game, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try to catch a period, but likely won't um, yeah. until, tomorrow morning, until tomorrow morning, until tomorrow morning, it'll be on do not disturb. So don't worry <laughs> about that. But I, I think tonight's actually an important game for the flyers. Um, I think the fan base is, is, is galvanized and rallied right now. Uh, this is a team that is occupying a playoff spot. They really have all season. Um, I think that they added Jamie Drysdale to the lineup. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how quick he can adjust um, right now. But I think the Flyers sort of have this us against the world mentality right now, especially after, you know, the Cutter Goche um, adventure over the last couple of days and, and, you know, all the different personalities chiming in, the more, you know, details that continue to come out on that situation, probably just continue to piss off the players and the fan base even more. Even Travis Sanheim weighed in on it the other day and, and said the players definitely took note to the fact that um, a, he didn't want to come to development camp and then B the fact that he doesn't want to be there. So I think the mentality in Philadelphia right now is if you don't want to be a flyer, we don't want you here. I think that's kind of old school, broad street bully level stuff, which I think is great. I think it fits the personality of the city perfectly. Um, but I do think for, for a game against Montreal, a, a you know, a bad team, I, I do think it's a big game for the flyers just mentally with, with, you know, the hoops that they've been jumping through. So uh, I have a feeling the Wells Fargo center will be very, very loud on broad street tonight. A lot of my flyer fan friends texted me yesterday that this could be the best thing that maybe has happened for the flyers franchise. Cause all the fans now are joined together, right? Like this is, like you said, it's galvanized, not only the flyers team, but the fan base. Uh, you know, I think the fans tonight, I would not be surprised. And I don't want to put this in anyone's head. If there is an F cutter Roche chant going throughout the hundred percent, you think so, right? I mean, no, I yeah, think yeah. so. I would bet my mortgage, my, 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 yeah. my car. I mean, whatever I'd put anything I own on that, that will happen. Tonight. Yeah. 
Ranger fans have the pot van sucks for the last 40 years. I think Flyers fans might have their first goat chase sucks tonight. Fans don't forget. They, they don't forget. I mean, that's, that's, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, is I, I, I tweeted something about, the fact that he'll get booed in Philadelphia his entire career. And mm-hmm. it was funny, the amount of devils fans and penguins fans in my mentions being like, Oh, one time a year, you know, you're, you're assuming cutter Goche is going to play for Anaheim his entire career. I mean, I think the kid's going to have a long career. Uh, he better hope he never ends up in the Metro division. Cause he mm-hmm. will get special, special treatment. And people are like, Oh, who cares? Blah, blah, blah. Like, listen, I'm not saying that should factor into a player's, decision to do what he does but it doesn't mean it's not going to be entertaining like when Phillies fans threw batteries at JD Drew you mm. know after he spurned the Phillies so um the Wells Fargo that that'll be bumping tonight this is an important game uh the Jamie Drysdale error uh, officially starts here in Philadelphia um so we will you know keep our eyes on all those games tonight and I'm sure we'll have some stuff to talk about tomorrow Yep. And that's going to wrap up today's show. If you missed our show yesterday, there's a great interview with Rucker McGrory. You can check it out on the Daily Faceoff YouTube channel, as well as our conversation with Frank Saravelli involving this whole Cutter Gauthier, Jamie Drysdale situation. So we will be done for today unless Kobe has any final thoughts. No. All right. So uh, make sure to tune in tomorrow at 9 a.m. We'll be right back with you. Have a great day, everybody. Tune into that Flyers game. Tune into NHL and TNT tonight. Don't forget to like and subscribe daily face off YouTube page. And thanks to our producer, Vic behind the scenes, diligently working. I know we had some technical difficulties today that we had to work through, but our man Vic got us up and off the ground. So good job, Vic. And we will see everyone in the chat. Johnny loves those chats.